Hi, my name's Sam Breakgear and welcome to Brains Bite Back. You're in the right place if you like psychology and technology because this is the podcast for it. We've had numerous tech entrepreneurs on this show and many of our past guests have come from very humble beginnings and created a very successful name for themselves. However, my guest today might be one of the most inspiring guests we've had to date. Born in a remote village of 6,000 people in the middle of the Great Tar Desert in Northwest India, he has gone from no running water to running a multi-million dollar startup as the CEO and co-founder of Login Radius, an industry leader in the digital identity space, Rakesh Soni. And for our new onto something piece, we have fresh research analyzing what female pickup lines work best on men. How are you doing, man? No, I'm doing really well. Uh, outside office today, but yeah. Good. I have to apologize. I'm slightly under the weather. I'm okay, but um, I might be eating some halls. Otherwise, I'm I'm perfectly fine. Where are you today in the world? <laughs> no problem. I am in BC, Canada. Yeah, I found that quite interesting, your change, because I live in Colombia and I hate living. I had to leave the UK because I just hate the cold. So I've now gone to somewhere very hot. Of course, that like you've done the opposite, where you grew up somewhere very hot, and now you've gone off to somewhere very cold. Have you always been a fan of the cold? Were you always like, when you were younger, you were like, you know what, I'd, I'd much rather just be in snow than sand? No, 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 no. I don't like uh, cold and snow. <laughs> <laughs> but you like Canada, right? Oh, yeah, I love Canada, but Vancouver, it doesn't snow that much, so it's amazing here. I went there once, but that was during the summer, and uh, yeah, I was told a very similar thing, like uh, that it just it just rains, so it doesn't sound too dissimilar from uh, British weather. And I've I spent a bit of time in Seattle, and I think it's more or less along the same lines, right? Yeah, yeah, it's quite similar uh, weather um, as of Seattle. I think for the people that perhaps don't know who you are, uh, would you be able to give a brief background on yourself? Obviously, we'll go into it with greater detail, but if you could just like tell your name, who you are and a little bit of background on yourself. A brief summary, would you please, Rakesh? Hi, uh, my name is Rakesh Soni. I'm CEO and co-founder of Login Radius. We are an enterprise software company out here in Canada with offices in US and India as well. Uh, what we do is we help businesses to secure and manage digital identities of their consumers. Awesome. and. One of the reasons why I've got you on today is because I think your story is potentially one of the most interesting stories I've had on here. It's it's quite unique. You grew up in northwest India and you grew up in a, a place which is quite different, I suppose, from most entrepreneurs that you might find in Canada. What was your life like growing up in the Great Tar Desert in northwest India? Yeah, so um, it's a very different part of India because of the desert and, you know, temperature gets really hot there. Uh, even I think last summer it went to 50.3 degrees centigrade. So that kind of defined the culture and how, you know, things are, you know, set up in that region. Um, I grew up in a small village in Thar Desert. Uh, those days uh, we had no electricity, no running water. Uh, we traveled mostly on feet and camels were the Ubers of my days. <laughs> that's, that's how I grew up. And, you know, you can imagine even I didn't get access to computer until I finished my high school, uh, which is crazy um, because today you see toddlers with tablets. So it was very isolated village. That's where I grew up in 80s. 
And I actually have to admit, I watched the one of your, I watched your Vancouver Tech presentation, or at least the start of it. I watched, so I did see some pictures which you presented, but I thought it would probably be best that I don't watch the whole thing. Otherwise, I might have all the answers <laughs> to all the questions I want to ask you before <laughs> before we actually have the podcast call. <laughs> but I did see some of the photos and that, that did really put into perspective. I can share that with our listeners, that talk. But I find it really interesting that you found the motivation to to step so far outside of where you grew up. What motivated you to live a life beyond where you grew up? Um, I, I have a very, you know, supportive parents uh, who encouraged me to be ambitious and push boundaries. Um, and with my curiosity and being very adventurous, um, this has been really a fun, you know, journey to continue pushing that boundary and explore. Primary motivation comes from my parents, particularly my dad, who uh, was an Ayurvedic uh, doctor, which is a traditional medicine in India, plus the, a pharmacist. Um, and he was actually, and I'm talking about now, you know, 50s and 60s and 70s, um, when there was no doctors, even like hundreds of kilometers. So he was helping, you know, people in even surrounding villages, 10, 15 of them, villages, using camel to go around and help those people. Um, and that kind of core motivation of how I can help more and more people. And to do that, you basically need to get out of the village. You learn more, you need to kind of, you know, scale how much you can help people. And that's one of the biggest, um, you know, motivation that helped me to continue pushing the boundaries. You you mentioned school earlier. I'd be interested to know what that's like. Was it a big school and did you have to walk really far or was there very few kids? Oh, man. Um, my school was uh, only up to grade eight uh, in village. The, you know, up to, I think, grade, uh, I think grade three, we used to sit under trees. There was no even classroom. Forget about even electricity or water supply or anything. <laughs> Um, so it was a small school, pretty much no facilities the way we have today. But it was a good community of the students and teacher trying to help as much as possible. And that's that's how I done my grade eight from my village. It sounds like uh, I suppose if you can graduate from that, then you can graduate from a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely helped me, you know, shape and be more resilient to you know tough situations. You can say yeah. Uh, they say hard school and knocks. I suppose that's a different type of hard school, but yeah. Um, so I don't really actually know. I, I've never been to India, but I have traveled around a lot of Latin America. And there are certain places I've been to which would be really hard to step out of like that sort of area. There are isolated places. of I've traveled a lot of Colombia and there's parts like La Guajira, which is in the north. And that sounds very similar. It's like desert and it's very isolated. I don't know if it's the same in Indian culture, but certainly in Latin American culture, like family is like really big thing. And it's really hard to move away from family or to like take those big steps without like, I suppose, leaving the close knit security and also like the um, the close community that you have with your family. Was it ever difficult for you, like your family and your parents for you to like uh, take the big step and like move away or do all these like grand gestures or grand things that you've done in your life? Yeah, I think it's quite similar in India too, and probably most of the emerging or developing countries, right? Mm. Because families and, you know, the family circle you have is your social security net. Mm. 
um, you know, because we don't have, you know, at least those days we didn't have any social security, you know, things and insurance and all those pieces. So all you rely on your family. And yeah, it, it becomes very hard for cases like me when kid lives, you know, home as well as for parents. So yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, you know, challenging for the family as well as the person who leaves the family. Yeah, I can imagine. And growing up, who do you say inspired you the most? I know you're, you mentioned your parents and they seem like they've been a huge motivator to help you. But is there anyone else, maybe outside your family or even anyone like a, a celebrity that you never met but you always idolized uh, growing up that really inspired you? I mean, there are many, you know, inspiration, but I think my parents has been the biggest one. Growing up, I was seeing him and my mom, you know, helping people. You know, when you live in village, you're fundamentally isolated from the rest of the world. We didn't have like a newspaper even, print newspaper coming to village. You know, those days I wasn't even fully aware of what's outside the village fundamentally. So they have been still my biggest inspiration, at least when I grew up. And then I learned more than in modern days, I would say, um, from entrepreneurial perspective, Elon Musk is something I really uh, admire. And also the Bill Gates, how he using the the money he, you know, earned or made to help, you know, humanity now. Uh, that's very inspiring. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're both doing some, some good things and they've definitely come from from somewhat humble beginnings, I believe. I don't know their, their backstories perhaps as well as you do, but yeah, for sure. They're definitely very inspirational. Would you be able to take me on a little timeline of how you went from being in that village to living in cities such as like Vancouver and Edmonton? Because you mentioned like there wasn't a great exposure to the outside world. Like how did you go from living in that village to now living in like big Canadian cities? <laughs> I think my, uh, my parents always believed in education and especially in developing countries, education is a big deal. Um, so they encouraged me to continue pursuing education and I always kind of chased the biggest school and best schools and that's how i left my village and lived in the city finished my high school there uh, in jaipur um, then i went to india's top engineering school iit uh, indian institute of technology uh, and from there i keep kind of being more and more ambitious uh, where i want to go what i want to learn what i want to do and that drive was the main reason, you know, I am who I am and where I am. Mm -hmm. And was it ever a shock going from like a small, like little town to like larger cities? I know you kind of like incrementally went from, it wasn't exactly like you went from your small village immediately to Vancouver. But when you did like level up, let's say to like bigger cities, was that a shock? Because I can imagine if you come from a small village then you go to a city just the sensory shock that all the noise all the people everything must be I, I can't even imagine it what was that like yeah it was a big shock um because the language you speak in village and language you speak in Jaipur is different I grew up speaking Rajasthani and then I had to learn Hindi for example and the whole you know social system is a bit different when you go to bigger cities so pretty much everything was a shock 
But at the same time, it wasn't, you know, making me nervous or feel, you know, bad because of the curiosity and, you know, trying new things and experiencing something new. There's a, you know, associated fun. So I always take the new thing as a fun and change as a fun. And that kind of continue giving me more and more, you know, I would say um, energy to keep exploring the world and keep learning uh, coming from India to Canada itself is a big cultural shift how you adapt that how you learn about it how you explore how you kind of connect the dots so it's, it's a fun sort of kind of game for me actually <laughs> so I enjoy that I can I can kind of relate to that not anywhere is the same extent but having been being from the UK and now living in in Colombia there's definitely a sense of every day I'm learning something new about a new culture and who I suppose if I was in England maybe I'd learn new things but it wouldn't really be a new culture and it wouldn't really be like that new whereas like here it's completely different and I can imagine the difference between like a small village in India and like Canada is some somewhat similar yeah and and you actually you know also start appreciating the life um, and you also start celebrating the differences, you know, how people are different and the language and food and culture and traditions and, and so many, you know, things, um, which is fun. And you appreciate the life, how much diversity we have, right, as a humanity. That's, that's what really I enjoyed throughout the journey and hope I continue exploring more, though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you and me both. You and me both for sure. I I totally get that. And I think that as well as like when you see the differences, like my girlfriend's Colombian, we it's really interesting to find out new things about and like share our culture. But also on top of that, another thing that I love is the fact that you see the differences, but you also see the similarities. Like even though there's so much difference between like cultures all over the world, you can also see like the things that link us and like the way we're kind of similar. And for that, I really love it because it's one of those things which it reminds me that the barriers that we perceive between cultures and people aren't really that big or that strong. They're actually quite small when you spend real time there, I guess, or real time with the people. Yeah, 100% agree on that. I mean, fundamentally we are, all the human beings are same. Uh, on emotional level and what drives them and the care they have for their friends, family and community and so on. So those fundamental principles are same wherever you go, which is amazing. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I think that's uh, that's really lovely to see when you do see that in different cultures. Um, moving on to your company, though, I'd really love to talk about that. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about uh, Login Radius? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, Sam, for example, did you log into any online account today, like maybe email, shopping or social media account? Yes, I have. Yeah. There you go. So you kind of come across this login function on web and mobile, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to use those credentials, whether it's through username, password, or through your Facebook login, or through phone login, um, we kind of manage that whole experience for the consumers. So if you are a website owner, you want to add that functionality on there, then you use our software, which works on the back end, which manages the registrations, login, sign up, you know, forgotten password, and all those functionality for for you as a business owner. And then on the back end, we secure end users' account and data and privacy. We manage that you know identity you know we created for that user, and that's what our software automatically does for the businesses and their consumers out of interest what did this um where did the inspiration to create this come from yeah that's a really good question um i mean 
once I start getting access to internet, I already start feeling frustration around this login function. Um, for example, I for, forgotten my password and I enter my email and like it's taking 10 minutes to receive the email. And when I click on the link, link doesn't work. Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, I see a lot of frustrations as a consumer. Uh, but what actually hit us is in 2011, uh, we were developing a couple of uh, startup application, me and my co-founder Deepak. And one of the application actually required login function. Um, so Deepak created that login function, but at the same time, he realized it's also equally painful for businesses to build and manage it too. So once we saw both sides of the login function and we realized the scale in terms of how many people it's affecting, like everybody on the internet is affected by login function, right? And every business nowadays trying to get more and more online interaction with their consumers. So we saw a huge potential to solve this problem. And that's how, you know, the idea of login just came up in our mind. And that's how we set the vision is that how we can solve this login function for everybody, how we can make it secure, safe, and delightful and simple that everybody loves it instead of everybody hating it. And did you guys did you guys come up with that in India and then move to Canada or did you guys meet in Canada? How did that process start? So Deepak is my high school friend from India actually. Uh, once I moved from village he's my first friend actually. <laughs> So uh, Deepak was in Chicago for his master's degree and I was doing master's degree in Edmonton, Canada. And while we were working full time, we were trying these startup ideas. And that's where this whole thing started. So you can say it's from our living rooms uh, in Chicago and Edmonton. What made you choose Canada over Chicago or America in general, I suppose? That's an interesting question. There was no strong reason, but Canada definitely has is more immigrant friendly by regulations or laws. And we kind of knew that we might end up creating, you know, having issues in U.S. when we start the business. There's so much immigration hassles you have to go through, especially if you are from countries, developing countries. And to avoid all those hassles and, you know, Canada being very friendly, immigrant friendly country, we decided to start, start the business here. Yeah. I assumed that was the answer because I actually previously, I wrote an article about how um, Trump's policies and all the tight immigration policies are sending so many entrepreneurs to Canada. But I wanted to ask the question before, before assuming the answer. But yeah, that doesn't surprise me. To be honest, if I was in your situation, I'd probably choose Canada too. Yeah. I like the US. A lot of my family live there. I've been to a lot of it. But I think, yeah, it sounds like it would be far easier as an immigrant and an entrepreneur to get started there. Yeah. And you can say we kind of predicted Trump going to be president. president so. <laughs> yeah, it's so far up there. Yeah. My last question to you. We have a lot of listeners and we get listeners from all over the world. We get listeners from countries that I never thought would have ever listened to us. And I don't exactly know where they are in these countries, but they seem to be scattered all over, including India, actually. So if there are any young entrepreneurs listening or young, ambitious individuals that want to take themselves so much further than their small little village or wherever they are, what advice would you have for them, Rakesh? I would say to them that sky is the limit. There's nothing can stop them. However, it's a tough journey 
and it requires a lot of passion and more importantly it requires a lot of being adaptable in you know how you kind of proceed and move forward um so my biggest advice is going to be around adaptability how you're going to adapt yourself to the the locations the culture to the evolving technology scene and business and economies and everything is you know becoming more and more uncertain and at the same time they're also evolving very fast so how you catch up with that going to determine how successful you could be oh, i think that's good advice i think that's good advice in general even if you're not planning on taking any big trips out of your your home i think that's a good thing for careers as well i always think about that personally like i work in media and it seems that media is something that's moving so fast and i accept the fact that right now is a booming time for podcasts but you know what, in two or three years time, people might lose interest in podcasts and then all of a sudden you've got you to change up. So I think that's good advice in general, really. Just be ready to be flexible, be ready for change. Yeah. And yeah, 100% agree with you, especially when it comes to moving countries. Rukesh, if, if people want to stay in contact with you and like follow you on social media, what's, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, best way to uh, follow and connect with me is through Twitter and LinkedIn. So my Twitter handle is O-Y-E and then S-O-N-I, O-I-S-O-N-I. And my LinkedIn is my full name, Rakesh Sony. Uh, if you search it, hopefully you'll find else use word login radius keyword as well. And then it should show me there. Excellent. And Rakesh, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. This has been uh, one of the the most insightful, I suppose, backstories to a guest that I think I've ever had. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on here today. Yeah, thanks for hosting me, Sam. Really enjoyed the conversation. You run to something. Psychology Today reports that new research conducted by a team of psychologists led by Marianne Fisher of St. Mary's University in Halifax, Canada, examined the effectiveness of three different types of women's pickup lines on men. The three different types of pickup lines consisted of direct, flippant, and innocuous. Direct would be, for example, can I have your number? Flippant would be something like, shall we talk or continue flirting from a distance? And an example of innocuous would be, can you recommend a good drink? Fisher and her team recruited 130 heterosexual adult males to take part in the study. Participants were asked to evaluate a series of 12 photos of women accompanied by a pickup line. For each image, the researchers asked participants to evaluate the perceived attractiveness of the woman, the perceived promiscuity of the woman, and the perceived effectiveness of the pickup line. They found that direct pickup lines were most successful, flippant pickup lines were the second most successful, and innocuous lines were least likely to be judged as effective. So women, if you're listening, be direct. We're simple beings, and sometimes it's probably better just to make it painfully clear that you like us. That's it for today, but thank you as always for listening. And you can find all our shows on Spotify. You can follow us there, iTunes, and you can go to sociable.co to stay up to date. You can also stay up to date by subscribing to our newsletter. Every Friday, you'll be updated with a new episode of the podcast and some great articles we have at The Sociable. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Hold up. 